Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Invisible Tears. Today, we are so excited to have Shana Richard and Tate's Nunez of Light the Way on with us. You guys, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you guys doing? We're good. good. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Anytime. So you guys started this uh, advocate organization called Light the Way. Do you want to explain to us a little bit about that? So Tates and I met in 2021 in the missing person community, and we started out by really posting a lot of flyers on social media and um, locating runaways. And we kind of found that we're really good at that, but we thought, wow, we can, we can do more. There's a lot of missing people and people really needed help. So we were, we're working together on the side on online. Tate's lives in the Midwest. I live in New England and we were working together virtually. And we heard um, the foster parent of Oakley Carlson, who was a missing five-year-old girl in Washington um, speak. And we heard a very tragic story about a little girl who had been returned to her biological parents by the Washington State Department. Department of Children, Youth, and Family very abruptly after a lot of warning signs. So she was taken away from them. Yeah. She so was she, put in the foster system. Yeah. So she was um, placed in the foster care system when she was about seven months old. And that, uh, that after about a little over two years, she was returned back to her biological parents after her foster parents um really were concerned about that. There were lots of red flags. There were warnings about drug use, about domestic violence still happening in the home. And the um, social workers really didn't want to hear that. They had one, they had a one track mind that this child was going to be returned to her biological parents. And there is lots of documentation of the foster parents, Jamie, Joe, and Eric, who are amazing. We work with them just about every single day. They are Oakley's biggest advocates. They were saying, no, 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 this is not safe. This is not in Oakley's best interest. And the social workers refused to listen. So Tates and I heard Oakley's foster mom speak once Oakley went missing under the care of her biological parents. And the foster parents decided that it was time to tell Oakley's story. Um, so we reached out to her foster family. We really started Light the Way based on Oakley. Um, and Oakley is truly the heart of everything we do. We learned how to be advocates. We learned how to investigate. We do what we do because of Oakley. We feel like she's the one who has led us to do everything that we do because a little girl and her family needed us to step in and help. And from that, we have learned that 
you need to be victim centered. You need to be working with families. You need to make sure that um, you bridge any gaps between law enforcement and families to be able to be good advocates. Laws need to be focused around victims and that we're always pushing forward ahead. There's not a day that can go by that we're not making sure that all of our missing families and um, and our victims aren't getting their names out there. Um, and that's kind of how Light the Way started. So we will be our second kind of birthday coming up. Um, we're pretty proud of that, that we've been able to go two years. You've only been doing this for two years. Two years, yes. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> two years. <You> guys. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I would have thought you guys were doing it been doing it for like 10 years because you guys Aww. are amazing oh thank you. Amazing. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you we work with 14 families and the 14 families were so honored that they allow us to tell their family stories most of our families we started with were in the pacific northwest because of oakley's story that's where the families kind of gathered towards us but now we work with families kind of all across the country. We have families in New England. We have a family in Texas we work with. We have a family in Arkansas that we work with. Um, so we have started spreading out. Um, it's been a wonderful experience. Tate's and I, it laid the way as another one of our children, really. Uh, we take care of it like it's it's a baby to us. And we're really, um, we, we're so proud of of what we've been able to accomplish and we're so thankful for the families thank you thank you so that's kind of how we started and we're we just we hope that we can do more and help more people as we as we continue to grow we learn more every day so you two are like in two separate different coasts of the of the country how did you guys end up getting together to work with each other were you guys friends before? Or? Um, somewhat. Uh, we met in the missing community, um, and a mutual love for David Lynch brought us together. <laughs> That's often forgotten in the mix, but okay, I gotta hear this story. <laughs> we just uh, are both big fans. It was in I myself hadn't met anybody who was a big fan, just like Shada. But that's just a little piece. Um, but yeah, we came together online. Uh actually on Twitter, I would say, is where we found each other. Um, we started off just sharing flyers of missing persons and we kind of found each other. Uh, I don't know, your vibe attracts your tribe, I guess. And we just hit it off right away, you know, messaging each other every day. And we kind of one day both were like, hey, let's take this a step further. Let's let's do more. And we still every day are trying to do more. We <laughs> probably have a a little bit more than we can handle sometimes, but we get it done. We love it. That is awesome. So um, I did read this story about Oakley Carlson, heartbreaking. Like it kind of reminds me of Trish Haynes' story, where everybody knows who killed her, but nobody is doing anything about it. There's no justice for her. Nobody's in jail. Nobody's been charged or anything. Oakley's story was just so heartbreaking. Do you want to tell us more about Oakley's story? Yeah, I guess where we can say with Oakley's story is is a bit different in the injustice is that, um, and we feel we feel blessed is that 
the law enforcement is very actively investigating Oakley's um, Oakley's case. And we are, are lucky in the fact is that we work hand in hand with law enforcement. So the lead detective on Oakley's case, Chief Paul Logan, uh, he's incredible. We have had the opportunity to work with him pretty close since the beginning of the investigation. He's been wonderful to us. Uh, we get tips, we pass them over to him. He's always willing to listen. He's He's been very helpful with um, making sure that searches are done. He's very excited about all the advocacy that we've been able to put out. Um, so we, we are happy with how the law enforcement investigation is done. Um, what what we do have to remember and and is difficult is that with a murder investigation they get one chance at at bringing the parents to trial so we have to tell ourselves that a lot and it's hard to bite off sometimes and um we know when the time is right it will happen um so i just want to put that out there first what we are not happy with is uh the investigation done by the department of children youth and family so the dcyf um they did did not do the right thing from the get-go from the from the time that they returned oakley to her biological parents so uh, so the story with Oakley is she was seven months old and she she has two older siblings. One of those siblings um, is her mother, Jordan Bowers, child with another father. And then she has an older sister who's disabled. Um, it's a biological sister and then a younger brother. She was removed from foster care along with her sis- siblings. And she went to go live with the Hiles when she was about nine months old. So she, till she was almost three years old with the Hiles, she thrived in foster care. She was the happiest little baby. If you've ever seen pictures of Oakley, every single picture of her, big smile, she has this cute little scrunched up nose. Um, she, they talk about her like she was an easygoing baby. She was in dance. She was in swim. She went to daycare. She had friends. I mean, she was just like living her like best little toddler life. We've spent time with the Hiles. When you go into their house, it's pictures of Oakley. It's it's all the happy memories that she lived with them. Oakley was on a path to adoption through foster care. Um, so the Hiles at one point thought that they would be adopting her. Um, Oakley's parents were both still active drug users while she was in foster care. So at one point, the social workers believed Oakley would be adopted. Oakley's mother, biological mother, Jordan Bowers, got pregnant. And basically at that point, it kind of changed things. And then abruptly, they were told Oakley will no longer be available for adoption. She's going to be reunified with her biological parents which was a huge shock to everybody because how can just getting pregnant then change be the best entrance of this child to now be returned to active drug users and people with a domestic violence history. What we have been able to dig up through our research is that while Oakley was in foster care, there was continued domestic violence going on. The the fa- specifically with her father Andrew Carlson, he attacked her biological mother. Uh, he was in court for this. He was ordered to do um, a program. He did not go to the program, and then all of a sudden he was told, "Okay, then even though you didn't go to program, uh, 
uh, judge just said, well, that's fine. And it was erased from his record. I mean, things like things like this were just like erased from his record, but yet this child was still returned from people to people who are abusive. So things like this, we started to uncover as we started to dig into this. As they found out that Oakley was going to be returned, she started having more visits. On one of the visits that Oakley went to, she went to a supervised visit, which means that there was a court-ordered mandated supervisor, so another adult there with them. But when Oakley returned, she had scratch marks on her cheeks. It, it doesn't, we don't know if like it was done by hand, if it was done by another object. When Oakley showed up at home, Jamie Jo, her foster mom was like, what's on my kid? The woman who was supposed to be the supervisor was just like, I don't know. So Jamie Jo emails the, emails the social worker and the social worker doesn't acknowledge it. She just says, I'm going on vacation. Like I'll be in touch with you when I get back. Never follows up. Jamie Jo takes pictures. She, I mean, she records it. She takes pictures. There's no follow-up. They're still emailing them concerned. She shouldn't be going back. Like we're concerned about her safety. Uh, Have you looked into this? We've heard that he doesn't have a job. How are they supposed to like take care of her? The social workers comments are like, you shouldn't have gotten so attached. Uh, Not having a job isn't reason to not have a child. I mean, these are the responses that they're getting from a social worker. I mean, completely inappropriate. So now we're getting to the point where she's going to be reunified. It's getting closer and closer. There's a sleepover. The first or the second time she's going to stay the night during the sleepover, Oakley, who is now almost three years old, witnesses a physical altercation between the bio parents, Jordan and Andrew. And uh, it was Oakley was watching, she was watching, you know, Coco Melon or something on the phone and Jordan and Andrew get into a physical fight and the phone's involved and she comes home and she tells um, Jamie Jo and Eric, the, her foster parents and Jamie Jo records Oakley telling it. So you can hear Oakley in her sweet little two-year-old voice saying they were screaming at each other. And she picked up the phone and she threw it and he yelled at her and this, and they, you know, were in each other's faces. She contacts the social worker to tell them what has happened. And she says, Oakley loves her mom and dad. That's what she says to a people, to two people that we know have a history of domestic violence. And we know that Andrew was in court on record with a domestic violence incident that the, the judge just like wrote off and didn't make him complete his training. And then we know Oakley was sadly then returned a couple weeks later. Unfortunately, that was in the end of November, 2019. Sadly, COVID started, you know, in March, 2020. So we don't know if there was any type of supervision once 2020 started. And then the dependency case was closed in June, 2020. So we don't know if she was actually followed up on once March, 2020 happened. There's very limited sighting of Oakley until um, um, until her grandparents saw her in dis- at Christmas of 2020, and her grandmother took a picture of her, and she looked like she had black eyes. She looked like um, she was very sick, kind of sullen cheeks. Her grandmother took a picture. The pictures got back to Jamie Jo, the foster mom, and Jamie Jo was like, oh my God, that doesn't look like my kid. I can't believe she looks so bad. Jamie Jo 
begged the grandmother to call, like call DCYF. You need, like, there's something wrong. You need to call. The grandmother refused. The grandmother wouldn't call. She was like, I can't make waves. They'll be mad at me. So Jamie Jo calls DCYF a couple weeks later. She says, look, I, I need to call a mandated reporter. I'm a teacher. I have to call. The DCYF gave her a hard time again. Somebody told her you could get in trouble for making false claims. She said, I don't care. I'm a mandated reporter. This kid doesn't look good. We know that the next day DCYF went out. They went and checked on her. We know that they opened a case from our research. We know that Andrew and Jordan refused services. Like, how can you refuse services? Like, that's that's not okay either. And then we know about a month later on February 10th, 2021, that was the last sighting of Oakley. She was seen by someone associated with the family. We know that that wasn't DCYF because it was someone associated with the family. And then we know in March of 2021, that DCYF closed the case without ever seeing her. And then Oakley has never been seen again because February 10th was the last time. So they closed the case without ever seeing her. And then it continues because then in December and um, November of 2021, so nine months later, they had a fire at their house. Their house is kind of like two floors and the top floor burned. The, fa- the father called and said his four-year-old, which would have been Oakley at the time, lit like one of those like torch lighters. If you've ever seen those torch lighters, like they're not, yeah. not easy to light. His, no. four, his four-year-old lit the couch on fire with one of those. And uh, the house, you know, the first, the top floor burned. Uh, but him and his girlfriend, which would have been Jordan, put the fire out. So they don't need to come and put the fire out. They've already put the fire out, but he needed to call and like report it. Uh, the house was like burned. Like we have pictures on our website of it. It's it's terrible. They put up a GoFundMe. In one of the pictures, you can see a crack pipe on the floor, like a literal crack, crack pipe. And then um, about a month later, everybody was kind of trying to help them at the school, the principal who's amazing. Her name is Jessica Swift. She had shown up at the house a couple of times trying to bring them some donations from the school because the older sister went to school. Um, Oakley did not. And actually in Washington, you have to be, I believe it's seven or eight years old before you have to go to school. So Oakley wasn't old enough to go to school yet. And the principal was like, Oakley's never here when I show up to bring stuff like this is so weird. And she would ask about her and Jordan, the the bio mom would say, um, oh, she's naughty. She's in her room every time the principal came over. So she thought that was so weird. Her like feelers were up. So Jessica has a um, daughter who is the same age as the older disabled sister. She had she planned a sleepover with the sister They had a sleepover and while they had a sleepover, the sister revealed that Oakley was no more. She started saying that she wasn't allowed to talk about Oakley. The principal thought, okay, this is, this is not good. She ended up calling for a welfare check. Police went out there, out to a hotel where the parents were staying the next day. They talked to Andrew and Jordan, Andrew and Jordan. The first thing they did, Jordan opened the door and they said, uh, we're looking for oh, we're looking for the parents of Oakley Carlson, the mother of Oakley Carlson, and she pretended she wasn't the mother at first. I, I mean, total bizarre. Then Andrew came over and they tried to ask him, and he was like, "She's with my parents." 
but then he pretended like he didn't know where his parents lived. I mean, his parents had lived in the same house for like 30 years, which was down the street from the house that had just burned the top floor had burned that they were living out. It was so bizarre. They ended up um, being arrested originally for um, manslaughter charges, first degree manslaughter of Oakley, but that was kind of just to hold them. They then, while they were being held for that, they found out that they were not giving medicine to their disabled daughter who had, who needed life-saving medication and they hadn't been giving her med- medication for over a year. And that's what they got charged with. And then they added additional charges to that with, for endangerment because the the daughter, the older daughter, and then the younger son had such high levels of methamphetamine in their systems that they were basically ingesting methamphetamines, which is what they ended up taking a plea deal for and were in um, prison and jail for a while. The father was, they never were charged with Oakley because they never had enough to keep them for the manslaughter or any additional Oakley charges. They both took the plea deal on the um, child endangerment. The father was eventually released. He only served about eight months of his sentence, which was just disgusting. That's disgusting. Disgusting. That's that's disgusting. Uh, He's free and clear living in Wenatchee, Washington. Uh, We put that out there every chance we get. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Free and clear, living life. Still has not done anything to advocate for his missing child. So what does that tell you? Yeah. And then the the mother, Jordan, she got a longer sentence because she was already a felon. So while she was in prison, they found additionally while searching for Oakley that she was also stealing money from people. So they charged, she basically was released from prison and then literally picked up in the same minute for identity theft charges. And so she was charged with three counts of identity in the first degree and one count of identity in the second degree, literally like walked out of prison and immediately picked up. And so last year, uh, well, I should say from January to July, we spent kind of following that trial and she eventually took a plea deal and she's in prison right now for those charges. And if, if you can believe it, she got more time for identity theft than she got for endangering those two babies with methamphetamine. So she'll be there. I know it's disgusting, right? So she'll be there for about, uh, probably about another year. And so we are, we are praying that we will either have a break in a case or we will find, you know, Oakley so that we can have some, some, something more to charge them with before she's released. I would think somebody else out there knows something like, yeah, somebody knows something. Yeah. I don't, and I don't understand why people wouldn't come forward for this little girl. It, it's heartbreaking. I saw so many pictures of her online and she just, oh, beautiful. She was so beautiful. She was so, uh, you can see so much life in her, you know, it was, she was it a was, jovial little girl. She was, yeah. Yeah. So we do, we do, we have raised a hundred thousand, almost a hundred thousand dollars as a private reward for anybody who's willing to come forward with the whereabouts of Oakley. So now, there's no questions. Searches around the area. Have they dug yes. up the yard? Have they done any of that? There's been several searches by law enforcement, and one a private search as well that was a, a volunteer search. 
and uh, the FBI and the Washington State Patrol has all been involved. Uh, they did three searches this summer. There is some activity when it comes to searches. The problem with that area, it is so vast and it is tr- like trees and forests. It's a large, large area, but they they did have some great technology that they searched with um, this summer that they didn't have even two years ago when Oakley did when Oakley originally went missing. So hopefully it just, you know, they continue to search. And do they believe that they're searching for her remains and, and not her law enforcement? I, you know, they they're not willing to say like 100 percent they're eyes are open to every possible idea. They are willing to look at every tip there is, but at this point, uh, most likely they believe that she is deceased. So sad. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. It is. At least least specifically in this case, though, like you were saying, at least you have a great um, relationship and it sounds like the police and it's good to hear that the FBI is actually involved as well. At, at least that's a piece that is going for, you know, Oakley in this specific situation since, you know, DCYF failed her so miserably. Is yes. there one specific um, investigator that has been really engaged in, in her case since the beginning? Yeah. So the lead detective, Chief Paul Logan, he's, he's incredible. Um, he, he really is committed to finding justice for Oakley. He's a great resource. We can basically call on him anytime, night or day and, you know, ask questions. And we work with him, you know, weekly on, on what comes in. What, what's been uh, great for us is that because we've been so involved and from the beginning, um, a lot of times people, will come to us with information. Um, Grace Harbor, where it's happened, is kind of an interesting community. It's very small and everybody seems to know everybody and everybody's willing to help, but I don't think everybody wants to necessarily go to law enforcement all the time, Uh, but people are willing to kind of chit chat and talk. So a lot of people are willing to chit chat about this case, but they don't necessarily want to go to law enforcement first. Many of our tips that have come in will come to us first And then we're able to talk to people into like going to law enforcement, whether that's they go to law enforcement or we say, all right, we're going to go to law enforcement for you and kind of like we soften the blow and law enforcement has been okay with that. Um, And it's, it's been a good relationship for information to come in like that. They've actually been okay with that. And, and I think it's anything to solve locally. When, when we uh, kind of started working like this, he said, I don't care how we solve this as long as we solve this. So it's, it's been, it's been a good, a good relationship. And he has taught us a ton about searches, about how missing cases are done. And he's, you know, we can't thank him enough for that. I'd like to add to that. Chief Logan, I'm thankful that he's on Oakley's case because as far as law enforcement goes, I don't, there's no one out there that wants to find her as much as he does. I mean, he will not stop until Oakley's found. And I I truly believe that. That's so wonderful to hear. Yeah, it really is. Should be more officers out there like that. Totally disgusted with, with uh, DCYF. Has there ever been any repercussions for that particular person that returned her back to her biological parents. If by repercussions, you mean a promotion. 
Really? Yeah. DCYF has been a whole beast of its own. Yes. The the social worker, she, we found out she had a promotion uh, shortly after Oakley's disappearance. They seem to protect their own. We have learned so much about the Washington State Department of Children, Youth, and Family. Not being from Washington, we have become advocates for children abused by that system. So much so that we have started an, our own campaign that's kind of separate from missing persons where that we call My Reason, um, where, we, where we advocate for children that have been failed by the Washington State Department of Children, Youth, and Families. So we work with other families where um, their loved ones have been murdered or killed when they were returned to people after being um, part of Washington DCYF. And Oakley isn't the only one, which is really, really sad. There are, there are many, sad. there are many. Wow. Uh, we dedicate the month of April, which is National Child Abuse Awareness Month to those families where we um, tell their stories. We also dedicate a portion of our time to advocating for law changes in the state of Washington. Last year, we had the opportunity to bring um, the Oakley Carlson Act, which was a law that would have changed the monitoring of children who um, who were part of the Washington Washington DCYF once they were returned to parents who had substance abuse issues. The monitoring was not going to be like six months. Right now, it's like you're returned and then you have six months of monitoring before it goes away. So the law, the law that was um, coming forth would have was called the Oakley Carson Act. And um, what the law stated that instead of six months of monitoring for drug tests, those families with substance abuse would have had five years of monitoring. So you would have to take drug tests for five years. That should be national. Right. I mean, right. That like it would national. make that would make so much sense in a lot of states. And uh, we got to testify. Um, we had to testify in front of the committee, which was amazing. Oakley's Oakley's foster mom, Jamie Jo, give that gave this incredible speech at the hearing. Um, and then one of our other families, her this little girl, her name is Hazel Holman. She died when she was returned to her father and her father's girlfriend. And her the father's girlfriend is in um prison now for 34 years for killing Hazel. She also testified. Other family members of Oakley's testified. It, I mean, it really was powerful. We get to testify. And then the, the bill died in committee. So it was really sad. We didn't get far, but that doesn't mean that this year we're going to try again. We've found other sponsors who are going to try and sponsor a uh, re an amended bill to see, you know, people thought five years was too long. So can we go for 36 months? You know, like if, if the years thing sounds too long, can we change it to months? And will that sound better? You know, like yeah, exactly. we try that. So that's something that we're going to try and do. Tate's and I often attend, they have um, the DCYF oversight board committee meeting. Tate's and I try to attend those. Um, so we sit there with the head of the uh, DCYF, his name is Secretary Ross Hunter. He is the most painful man in the world. He does not care about vulnerable children. He has no idea what's going on in his departments. 
Um, but there's also legislators who sit there and attorneys who sit there. And we just constantly sit there and bring up Oakley's name till we're blue in the face. So these people understand that we're not just talking about numbers. We're talking about a little girl who was failed by your system and you need to do something because this is happening to other kids too. And even since this has happened to Oakley, we, you know, we can count five other children who have died in foster care since then. And I mean, if once it happens to one, if you don't change something, then that's, it's not okay. Like you've got to fix something. DCYF in Washington is a disaster and something has got to change. I mean, and we know, you know, it's like this all across the country and yeah. It's just sad. Yeah, New Hampshire is no better. Um, we had a little girl that went missing, that that was missing for what three years. Harmony. Harmony. Is that who Harmony. you're talking about? Yep, Harmony. Then they finally stepped in, but DCYF did did nothing to you know check up on her case or anything, and they were in the system too, weren't they? The parents. Yeah. So, and that's New Hampshire. There's been a lot of stories about DCYF in New Hampshire that that uh, that are not good. I think we need to, um, a as a society, we need to start talking more about the failures of DCYF in every state. I mean, these are children. They have no choice. They're not given a choice whether they live with their abusive parents or they don't live with their abusive parents. They're not giving any choices whatsoever. It's it's the core system. And DCYF making these decisions for these children. And if you're going to make a decision like this for you, for these children, make a responsible you know, decision. It's like it's up to you to make sure that these children stay safe because they have they have no voice. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all these um, other organizations making these decisions for them to go back to their parents and and uh, not be being monitored afterwards. It's just um it's mind blowing to me. It's sad. It's very sad. And there's so many, I mean, there's like, uh, I know New Hampshire and Vermont, they're in a great, huge need for foster, foster care, um, people to step up to be foster parents. And it's kind of scary to me when I see the, these signs on the side of the road in need of foster parents, uh, wow. you know, call this 1-800 number. It's like, are they really vetting these people enough, you know, for them to go into foster care? And I'm not saying, you know, anything about Oakley's foster parents. Obviously, they were wonderful people. But DCYF is also responsible for the foster care of these kids. And are, do, are they doing enough to vent for vetting and, and uh, investigating these foster parents if they're not even <laughs> investigating the parents alone. <laughs> it's, it's the whole system is broke. The yes. whole system is broke. And then you question, why can't they retain the foster parents that they had before? Why do they need so many yeah. now? Because Oakley's foster family, the Hiles will tell you they would never be foster parents again because they were treated so terrible. And Jamie Joe and Eric would be amazing foster parents again, but they would never do it again because their hearts are too broken. I, I totally see that. I totally get that. And it's too bad. It is too bad. With you guys, have you seen foster families act more like the Hiles or are they kind of the outliers with how foster families treat the foster kids that are taken into their care? So the people that reach out to us 
are always the families who are like the Hiles. Um, we, I guess, are very lucky in the sense that when people are reaching out to us, they're the families who are afraid that what's going to happen to their foster child is, you know, the families that are, we don't, you know, we don't want what we're scared that what will happen will be like an Oakley story. We know that the families could still be actively using. No one's listening to us. Though so those are the type of foster families that reach out to us. None of the missing stories that we have are stories where um, kids have gone missing in foster care that we that we are working. I mean, have we read stories like that? for sure have read stories like that, but we don't have any stories that we've worked with. When we work with families on the My Reason case, um, all those stories are kids that got returned to their um, biological families and then went missing. Or deceased, unfortunately. Yeah, or deceased, yes. Deceased. We did have an investigation. We did, another thing that we do for Oakley's story is that we we fight for an inv- an investigation to be done into her um, DCYF case. That's another one of our kind of call to actions. So we originally had fought for that and they, they did an internal state investigation. And of course it came out that there was no wrongdoings, which we know is not true because we have, we have proof that there were wrongdoings. So that was, that was kind of a big thing. And we're really lucky. We have some great um, contacts of media out there that will cover anything we do up there. They're, they're awesome to us. So when that came out that there was no wrongdoing, we said, okay, well show us the papers then that there's no wrongdoing. And they said, oh no, 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 you can't see any of the papers. There's just no wrongdoing. So, and they told the media that too. So everybody was like, yeah, no, there's no proof in the pudding, buddy. Like, no. So that, and that came from the governor himself that there was no wrongdoing. So now our next call to action that we've been working on since September of 2022 is to have a independent investigation. So like not an investigation by your people, like someone that's separate from us, separate from you that will do an independent investigation and that will look at all of the records. So we do that. And then we ask people to write an email every Thursday and ask for this independent investigation. We have like letters on our website that are just, you know, cut and paste. So nobody ever has to think and write it themselves. We got you. You just got to send it every once in a while. We'll get like a big push of them and the governor will come out and kind of like make a, like a form letter and be like, I've looked into it. There is no wrongdoing. So we know that we bug him every once in a while. So we kind of like that. We know that eventually we'll like get a little bit of a push. Uh, Just not, it's just not enough yet. So we know that like, you just, you just let them know that you're not going away. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We know that he, he knows Oakley's name, you know? (laughs) we also put an ad in the so olympia is the state capital out there we also put a big full page ad in the paper on the anniversary the one year anniversary last year since she would had been missing over the two year anniversary since she had been missing uh, last had been last seen and um, one of the sad things about the abuse that Oakley endured is that she, and it's in court documents, is that her bio parents starved her. They locked her in a cell and DCYF had all this information and did nothing. 
So we put a full page ad with Oakley's face and said like, Governor Inslee, can you hear me now? I was starved. I was beaten. I was locked in a cell and we put it in a full page ad right at him. I love that. Love that. Make him see it. You know, we and that, and that was her foster mom's idea. Like it was awesome. Like, so we're not giving up. Like we will be here until the end and we will, we will keep coming. So I believe that <laughs> you guys are a force to reckon with. I'll tell you. Um, I know that you guys also work a lot with uh, Julie Murray with Maura Maura's case. You happened, you had just gone to um, Julie's meeting with the AG office a couple of weeks ago or last week or whatever. And she said that you went with her and yep. she was so happy that you did. And she had a lot of good things to say about you. That's how we met you was yes. Julie. Yes. And we met you because we had a um, call to action. Yes, we did. <laughs> we had a rally up at the AG's office in New Hampshire yes. um, because we were not very happy with them. And um, you guys helped us so much. Uh, we can, I am so grateful to you guys because you guys, you guys, did you guys helped so much and um I, I i'm glad julie uh included you guys with that rally with us because um we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> and we were putting it together in like two months it was <laughs> it was crazy but it was a, an amazing rally because of you guys and and you know i'm i'm so thankful for that we're so thankful to be a part of something like that absolutely we're, we're still hoping to make change for you guys. We're looking forward to some future stuff. We we were just talking about doing another Zoom together and listening to everybody's updates because I actually got an update. Um, I actually went and met with the state police that um, come to find out he is actually investigating my case, actively investigating my case right now and has been for a couple of years and um, also has a person of interest in my case, which I haven't heard that in 30 years. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, good things did come out of the march. Very good things for me. You guys make me want to be a better advocate for myself. Oh, <laughs> that means so and much. You guys, you guys are advocating for, advocating for other people. And here I am. I just, just never feel like I advocate enough for myself. And, but I'm I'm working on that and I'm starting to and I just feel like I'm 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 more into advocating for the other victims and I I forget myself. I've said that before and I forget myself and I I've got to stop doing that. But well, when we when we met you, I was like I remember like Tate's and I were talking like behind the scenes and we were like, "Oh my god, she's such a badass." <laughs> yes. <laughs> We were so like, <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh my God, she is like amazing. And we were like, and she has such like a bright outlook on life. We were like, how does one do that after you survive that? I mean, I'm sure you have your days because everybody has their days, but we were like, you are like a half, a glass half full type of girl. And you're like so strong we were so impressed by you and like what you bring to the table for other victims and for other survivors and for family members. And then just seeing you at the rally in like 
all of your glory. I mean, uh, you were, yeah. you, you did absolutely amazing. And we are so honored to be at the table with all of you guys and to be able to like move forward for everyone. You know, this, this is an incredible opportunity to see change happen, like right in front of you in the very, you know what I mean? In the very moment and feel incredibly honored to, to help in that. And it was, it was so awesome to be there that day and to see action happening. Yes. That was a, I mean, that was above and beyond what I ever expected that rally to be. That was, there was so many people there that were just They were, you could tell that they had held so much in for so long and they just wanted to share their story and their frustrations and, and we gave them the platform to do it. And I think that was the most amazing thing, but that's what hit me the hardest. Well, it's like at one moment I was standing there and it's just like looking around and, you know, like I said, we, I knew we were going to have a lot of people come and support us and Julie was going to have her crew come and support her. Same with Trish Haynes. But then we're looking around and how many people did we see holding loved ones pictures? That was hard. I just, it was really like, I broke, I broke down because I didn't expect to see that. And poor Andrew, (laughs) Amanda was off doing her (laughs) thing and poor Andrew's standing there and I just lost it. I was, and it was right before uh, I I went up to the podium, but it was like, I just lost it because I was just like, oh my God, I, I for the first time, I didn't feel alone. You know, it was, um, that rally was just so powerful on so many levels. It encourages us to say, all right, that's not the last one. We are going to push and we are not going to let them forget. And we're going to make sure that they're doing what they're doing and make sure other people are allowed to have their voices heard. And we're we're definitely going forward with doing a lot more advocating for for others and giving others a platform to, um, I think that's what's most important, giving others a platform to voice what they're going through and and the loss of their loved ones, or there's so many missing in New Hampshire. It's crazy. And there was quite a few of them there that their loved ones were missing at the rally. I think if we, we keep doing like what you guys are doing, you know, keep on them, let, don't let them forget that, you know, we're still here and, and we're gonna, we're gonna continue to um, seek answers whether you have them or not, we're going to make sure you're doing your job. Absolutely. I told you, I told Julie, I have an idea and I'm going to share it now. See what you guys think. I think we should send an email to all of, to our list that we made at the, at the rally. And I think that we should ask every family to send a Christmas card to the AG's office with a picture of their loved one in it and say, still missing my like, my sister or my child or and I think for the New Hampshire for the the Connecticut Valley we should send like all of the pictures in one including your picture and we send them these are still unsolved Uh uh-huh yeah yeah what do you guys think of that I think that's a great idea that is such an incredible idea (laughs) I said that to Julie I said that to Julie last week and she was like she said she's like I like it (laughs) <laughs> I love how everyone is so feisty. Everyone in the coalition is just so feisty. I love it. 
it's extremely creative and it's also, it, it, it's another, it's another way and it's another avenue, um, to really get the point across, you know, don't forget. Yeah. Don't forget. And that's what you guys do so great. Uh, are so great with is, uh, not allowing people to forget about Oakley. You are always putting her poster out there. Like I know I have you on Facebook and, and you guys are always, always like what do you post our picture like once a week or twice a week on so, your Facebook yeah so we do a couple of of things so we have something called missing poster Monday where we have I think we're up to 18 or 20 people that we post their missing flyers for and so we started that in the summer of 2022 and we really encourage anybody who wants to participate to just post missing flyers and hashtag it missing poster monday that way it just makes it easy for other people to search for and then they can like re reshare it or on twitter you can repost it we were actually really lucky um last year um gabby petito's mom nicole schmidt she joined us in helping she helps us do that sometimes from her um find gabby account which is really great and so we just try and get that going we'd love for it to become like a trending thing on social media on mondays and then on tuesdays we do tip tuesday so that's where we have we post like on our for our missing our un our unclaimed doughs like the finley creek jane doe or the jane seneca doe we also this year took our first um unresolved cold case it's Teresa corley she's 45 years she was found deceased in bellingham massachusetts um she was she's our first unresolved murder case that we've taken on um she's not too far from me in massachusetts and i saw that case and was just kind of like we need to help her sister a little bit so we have some cases like that that we do on tip tuesday so those are things that we try to put out every single week um so that's one way we do it and then we have call to actions that we do once a week. We do media posts once a week. So we kind of have a schedule so that we're making sure like people's faces get out at least once a week. For our other cases, we also have kind of schedules that we do. And since Oakley is such the heart of us, she kind of gets a little bit of extra love. <laughs> because we just she deserves we, it. Yeah. She just kind of gets a little extra sometimes um because when we like if a photo pops up on my phone or whatever, um, I can't help it, but give, give her an extra post or two. <laughs> that is so awesome because you, you can't let them forget. You can't let anybody forget. Yeah. And if you, you stop talking about Oakley, people will stop, start forgetting about her. Um, especially as the years go on. Uh, I noticed that a lot with the Connecticut river Valley cases for years, nobody talked about the Connecticut River Valley cases. And then I started talking about it. And then we started the podcast and people were like, oh gosh, I thought that was solved. Or wow. they're like, oh, we forgot about that case. Or I never heard about that case. So we're finding that we need to talk about those cases more and more and more so that people don't forget. But yeah, the biggest one is, oh, I thought that was solved. That That is so frustrating to hear. Absolutely. Because none of these cases are solved. Right. Still, nobody has been arrested or charged or or these families have never seen justice. So yeah, that's that's a hard one for me to, to swallow when I hear that. But we talk about it more now and we make sure that they know that these cases are not solved anymore. 
I think what Tate's and I should do is we should make a poster for Tip Tuesday with everybody's face on it and do a Tip Tip Tuesday poster for the Connecticut River Valley serial killer. What do you think about that? That would be awesome. We'll do that. We'll do that for a Tip Tuesday. We'll add that to our list because that would be cool to do one with everyone's face on it. I love you guys. You guys are so awesome. We think the same about you. It's so, so surreal to hear you say how, how we, you like, you're, you admire what we do. And we think the same, like about like you and what you do. It's incredible. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. Awesome. As word, as you guys just brought up that, so thank you so much for outlining, you know, like I had seen the missing, the missing poster Monday that you guys always do on Facebook, the tip Tuesday is great to great to know about that. You guys are doing that. And thank you so much for creating a tip Tuesday for the Connecticut River Valley cases. That's awesome. Do you guys want to actually speak a little bit more about, um, so I know that you've talked about light the way and your organization and sort of, you know, how it formed, but some of the specific resources that you can actually help with and that you have helped with in the past, do you guys want to actually talk a little bit about that? Because I think that just in our relationship with getting to know you guys, I think I was a little bit surprised once I started understanding all the resources that, that you guys actually could offer us in, in the form of help with, with the coalition when we were forming the coalition, um, um, you know, visuals, websites, that sort of thing. Do you guys want to speak a little bit about that just so our listeners can understand, you know, some of the things that your organization is doing as as far as resources go? First of all, every missing person or unsolved is, is entirely different um, and everybody needs something different. Um, we have some families and, and persons that we, we just advocate for. So we, um, just will put out their flyers, make sure people are seeing their faces, you know, making sure that they're not forgotten. Sometimes we create the flyers. Sometimes we use flyers that are already, um, created by law enforcement, but usually we'll create our own flyers. So we do that. We create flyers. Advocacy, that's our number one thing. Um, just making sure people's faces are out there. For a few of our um, persons, uh, we create websites. Um, I may or may not be working on a website for the New Hampshire. Um, it's kind of been just sitting there for a few minutes, but um, I have been doing a little something on that. Help me out, Shana. We do, we honestly wear so many hats. It, I sometimes forget the things that we do. Okay. So we also, so when we're talking about doing like advocacy work, we'll also do like media stuff. So we'll reach out to media. We'll create those relationships, whether that be with news reporters, podcasts, we'll do that. We'll connect, make those connections for families. Like Tate says, we'll do flyers, websites. We also will do some investigation type things um, if families are looking for that. Um, we also do work with law enforcement. We have some relationships with certain law enforcement. With the city of Olympia, we work with their lead detective on their runaway cases. So he will connect with us and say, I have a runaway case. I need some help with the social media um, he's not as versed as looking at their social media. So he might connect with us and say, I need you to dig in on the social media. Here's the family contact. They're going to give you some information. Can you dig in and look through their social media? Um, we also work with law enforcement in Oregon in, and in Washington and in Texas. Um, we work with a couple of different agencies. We've been priding ourselves 
on the fact that we're trying to create better relationships with families and law enforcement to to kind of bridge that gap where it kind of seems to fall apart. So we've been really working on that in the last year to kind of make relationships better. We have found that it is much easier to do on the West Coast than the East Coast. So I'm not really sure if there's a mentality of like the West Coast is just more open to that more like team collaboration. Let's think of this as like a think tank. Let's all come to the table. Um, But we have been very welcomed at the table on the West Coast. People are just kind of like, yeah, come on, bring us your ideas. Let's work together. And obviously from your own experience, you know how it is on the East Coast, but uh, I'm still going to show up on the East Coast and I'm still going to advocate for my families that I'm working with, whether or not they like that, you know, (laughs) that's still our job. We also have been, especially with advocacy, we have been working on laws, legislation. So we have we have a couple of people in the Washington legislature that we sit down and have meetings with. That's kind of a new advocacy adventure for us that we've been learning, um, learning a bit about. We have been helping planning rallies. Uh, we've learned a lot about that. We've planned different types of rallies. So we've helped with rallies that are at jails, like in Oakley's, we've helped the families with those. But we've also planned one centered around just child abuse. And then we helped with the one that was very victim-centered and survivor-centered, like the one in New Hampshire. We also have, oh, I just had one in my head that went away. Oh, and we helped with fundraising. We um we helped to raise a hundred almost a hundred thousand dollars for Oakley's um, reward fund, which was has been absolutely amazing. We we honestly have learned how to do that. I mean, all of us have probably Tate's and I both have done fundraisers for different things. Um, my husband has run a bunch of marathons. I have helped to do those types of fundraisers, but raising a hundred thousand dollars has been um great, especially when you don't live there and you're kind of raising it virtually is kind of wild because we have some awesome volunteers who do the work out there and then we kind of help organize it. Um, We did hold an auction, a one night auction out there. Um, I flew out there to help and we raised $50,000 in one night. It was amazing. Holy crap. It was unreal. That is amazing. And Jamie wow. Joe, Jamie Joe, Oakley's foster mom, she really campaigned and like really like led the event. I was there as a support person. Tate's was leading like the social media and we did a lot of stuff beforehand. Jamie Joe was like the leader of that. She like she was amazing. And that community, they show up for Oakley and it's a tiny community. Yes. And that community they show up, they want answers. They want those parents in jail and they want answers. Um, so that was really amazing. And then we also, we helped, um, that community search that helped that was for Oakley, the community search. We helped to plan that too. You guys do everything. <laughs> we, really do. Do everything. We, really do. we we have really learned, like, that's why when we say Oakley is like the heart of light the way, we have learned how to do everything with the her case. So we have a lot of people to thank for that. We have the Hiles, like the foster parents. They have let us in. They have let us love on them. They have let us love on Oakley, but they have also like let us learn to be advocates. And we're like so grateful for that. Like we love them so much. They're such great friends. We have law enforcement to thank because they 
have let us do, they've let us do that. Like they, uh, and we do billboards. I forgot about billboards too. Uh, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like we keep going. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> like, what else do we do? We help plan vigils. We yeah. attend meetings um, yeah. when possible with family members because they need that support, you yeah. know, whenever they're attending, you know, with Ju- like with Julie and um, Oakley's foster mom. So like we're like we've learned a lot. Everything we've learned, we've been able to then like use with someone else and like pass on the knowledge and like become better at it. So I think it's just been such a wonderful experience. And we hope that we've just been able to like help as many people as possible. Cause that's all Tate's and I want to do is be helpers. That's like, yeah. that's we're like the, you know, the Mr. Rogers look for the helpers. Tate's and I were always like, we just want to be the helpers. That's all we want to do. It's <laughs> kind of selfish really. Yeah. <laughs> we do it for our own. To be helpers. <laughs> we <laughs> I don't we, believe that whatsoever. <laughs> see that being selfish whatsoever. Not at all. Everything you Not guys at all. do. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's like you, and, and it's all volunteer. You yeah. know, you guys don't get paid for this. No. It's all volunteer. And you guys put a lot of work and a lot of effort into everything that you guys do. And just amazing. You guys are amazing people. Oh, thank amazing you. people. Um, Drew, you get anything else? Is there any case uh, on the, that's really at the forefront for the two of you right now that we would love to, you know, tackle in our next discussion? Gosh, we want to talk about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like we, I can't just pick one. I really can't. Um, maybe uh, give us time to yeah, talk about I, that. I feel, <laughs> yeah, like they're like all of there's a couple of them that are like making like a lot of our cases are, you know, are unresolved missing cases. Like we have cases that are like 47 years old, but like they're making some movement. Uh, that's like our goal. We never want our cases to be like stagnant. So like, we're always trying to think of like, what could we do to push something? Even our 47 year old case, we have some ideas that are, we're trying to, you know, push and move. And then we do have a case that's like 24 years old that recently had some movement. So yeah, let us think about which case would make most sense to. And we have a new one too, that we haven't really started talking publicly about yet, but uh, we'll save that one for later because we still have some family. um, We need to talk to the family a little bit first, but yeah, there's a few that are coming to mind. I'm looking at their faces over here. I have their faces on this side of my computer and I'm like, definitely a few of them that they could use some love and uh, extra attention. But that's what we're here for. Yep. And, you know, we would love to have you guys on more. Um, we look forward to that. In this way, we're loaning you our platform to to get their Aww. stories out. Thanks, and, uh, Thank you so much. We definitely want to have you guys on more so you can tell these stories. Get the be the voice for the voiceless. Get uh, make sure people don't forget them. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Well, thank you guys. So we'll so give much. you guys, we'll give you guys time to think about who you want to okay. talk about on the next time that you guys are on. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Cause we have, yeah, we have a couple. There's like, I want to pick somebody who's like making some movement. That that would make sense. Yep. Yeah. 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 Anything else, guys? I don't think so. What do you guys think about that idea, though, for the pictures? I think it's a. I think it's a great idea. Oh my god, I love that. Because you can put the note of like, 
hey, AG, we're thinking of you this holiday season. Are you even thinking about us? Right? <laughs> it really like, sort of digs it home. Right. Right. That has to be the wording. I want to address it to Formula. Nobody else but Formula. So Okay. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I love that idea. I love okay. that idea. So where can people find Light the Way? Jade's get the website. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our website is lightthewaymissing.com. Um, it has links to all of our other social media. Please don't let me don't ask me all of our links because <laughs> I'm sure you're on all the social medias and yes, the website's yeah, perfect. Yeah, we'll make sure cool. and put our um obviously in the episode description, we'll make sure and put the actual website in there too. So Thank you so the much. website and all your links and awesome. we'll definitely do that. You guys are the best. You're the Thank best. You guys. you guys are awesome. Oh Aww. my gosh. You make the world a better place for Aww. sure. Oh, that's so kind. I'm gonna cry when I get off here. <laughs> so, <laughs> we don't want to make you cry. We want to no. end on a high note. <laughs> no, 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 good tears. You guys are good so tears. sweet. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share, you know, where oh, we you. Thank you. Thank you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, we'll definitely schedule something because I love the idea of you guys coming on and telling the story of, you know, we told the story of Oakley. So then it's coming on next time. And who's the next one that's really tugging at your heartstrings? Because it was great. I've actually didn't know anything about the Oakley case. So Mm -hmm. it's really great to hear that overview from you. And it'd be awesome to hear that about everybody else you guys are covering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oakley's story is so sad. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize you guys had 20 case. Did you guys say 20? So we have four, we have 14, 14. 14. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. We have 14, but soon to be 15. Wow. We have a family, a new family. Her name is Barb, Barb Cotton. She um, was a teenager that went missing from North Dakota. We have a meeting with her family next week, but wow. But you, do you guys know the, I don't know if you saw, but there's a woman, uh, who was went missing when she was two years old. Her name was Melissa Highsmith. It was dissolved by DNA. Uh, she was a Nick baby from Texas last year, and they solved her case through DNA. She was taken as a toddler when she was two years old last year. So the woman who solved the case through like DNA, she's a, ge- a genealogist. The woman who solved the case and found this woman, her cousin by marriage is this Barb Cotton and she helped to solve this case. Uh, so mm-hmm. we're going to be working with this woman who's the cousin of the, yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? That is. Yeah, that is. We were like, <laughs> what? Yeah. And we have wow. 14 families that we work with directly, but we do advocate for several others as well. Yeah. You have been, um, putting, uh, the Sinclair's posters up quite a bit. We yes. so appreciate that. Oh, they yeah. They need so much attention. I mean, they it's, do. um, I know that they're an old case, but we want to make sure that they don't get forgotten too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, when you guys put those up, I, I always smile when I see that on my Facebook. It's like, thank you. That's appreciate sad. that. Your story's sad. Yeah. Another solvable one that should be. I solved. know. No kidding. Yep. We a- we actually took their we pictures and we bought this new um software that um it's like AI software like fixes old restored pictures because we were trying to fix some of the Connecticut River Valley pictures to see if we could fix some of those old old pictures and we put Tina's pictures through she was a bombshell like yeah. bombshell I wish like, I would have had the software before yeah. the t-shirts and billboard but. 
Yeah, we fixed those Connecticut River Valley serial killer pictures up. They are like, they look so good now. Yeah. Really? Yeah, wait, wait to see them. Yeah. I actually, can't wait to see them. Tate's actually, maybe you should send some of them. I will do that. Yeah. Thanks, uh, guys. I know. They even fix yeah. pictures. <laughs> is there anything is you don't do? Super women. Not really. You call me badass. You're badass. I'm going to send you guys capes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not really. Oh, not really. Just surviving. Oh. <laughs> we found it online. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would love to see them. Yeah. yeah, no, but we were impressed because they really cleaned up like old pictures because we had, we have one of our cases that it was like the 24th anniversary and wanted to clean up some of her pictures. And we were like, oh my God, this like fixed the pictures. So we tried it on the old pictures of your old pictures for the Connect or Sarah Killer. And we were like, oh my goodness. It was amazing. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you all. Yes, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. And we'll get your info out and we'll keep in touch so we can do this again. And absolutely, uh, you can bring us a new story and, and hopefully get the word out and maybe be able to solve some of these these cases and oh, find some of these people. That would be great. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15 minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.